0: Welcome to the Marshall Pruitt podcast, your week in IndyCar guest show. And who do we have? We got a friend, an old friend, although you're young. I'm not so much. I just recently got another birthday and I, I'm tired of collecting those James Hinchcliffe. So I think I'm going to stop, but you're an old friend of the show. Your first appearance was early in 2017. So the show had yet to turn one year old yet. Just checked. Checked. 13th appearance today so not bad we like you we like you a lot
1: well, i like you too man i really appreciate you having me on i having also just uh, collected another birthday i might join you and then just leaving it at the the kind of midway-ish number that is 35
0: you're spry and youthful um eh. spry spry has not been used with me for a while but that's okay Uh, we have one co host with us. That being our cat Rocky. It was, I'm sorry, Rosie. Sorry, sweetheart. Uh, she's going to bite me here in a moment. Rocky was with us (laughs) earlier. He got tired and left, uh, but Rosie's hanging out. She's probably going to meow and bite. So normal podcast stuff there. Let's say a big thanks as always to our pals at Cooper tires. They make the road to Indy possible hinge. Also the justice brothers been friends with the justice family Since like 1986, which is crazy. Wow. And then finally. Great year. Yes. Yes. Uh, Nobody great was born that year, but it was a good year nonetheless. Um, Opinions may vary. Uh, And then finally, someone we were discussing before we started recording. Derek Koska, TorontoMotorsports.com. They make fun. Just absolutely rain down.
1: Yeah, they really do. And before we
0: get to the questions, all put together by our pal, Jim Kaiser, tell me about torontomotorsports.com. And I'm not asking you to do any kind of plug or whatever else, but just uh, Derek, his sensibilities, the love and passion that he has for IndyCar, also for his fellow Canadian drivers. Like, it's a real thing. Like, there's a lot of cool people in the paddock. We saw them last year. He and our pal, Roger Wark, the artist who's done your Hinch tunes and so many things saw them finally traveling to like four or five or six races doing a merch trailer and whatnot. I mean, there's just, there's something real about them in terms of what they bring in terms of character and fun to the paddock, Derek being the ringleader. And I don't know, we'd be poor without them. Wouldn't we?
1: Oh, our, our, our lives would be lesser to be sure. I mean, is, you know, for, for a guy to have uh, made his business motor racing and memorabilia for as long as he has, I mean, you've got to have a passion for it. And there's nobody more passionate than Derek. He's so, he's so creative. The stuff that he comes up with, man, it's, it's, it's hilarious. You know, he's uh, he's always texting me with new ideas of, you know, something new to put together, a new bit of merch, whatever, whatever. And, you know, he, he brings a, uh, a, an incredible energy to every racetrack that he's at. And I was so thrilled to see those guys on the road this year and, and get to see the trailer at a couple of the races and, Hopefully we'll see them even more next year.
0: You even helped Derek out a little bit when uh, some uh, not very nice folks in Nashville um, maybe helped yes. themselves to some of Derek's belongings in the yes. truck, like his wallet. Have we fully, fully convinced Derek to no longer leave his wallet in the truck as well?
1: Yeah. it just shows you what a nice guy he is that he ever thought that was a good thing to do. He just so too trusting our Derek.
0: Yes, well, we love them nonetheless. <laughs> well why don't we uh, why don't we kick off here with the usual great and fun and varied questions? Know that you cannot talk about everything that's coming in the future. Do know though that while it might not have been a total surprise in terms of formal confirmation, you did share with folks that. Uh, Indeed, full-time indie carring. That's a a word, by the way. Not it is, but we'll make it. Uh, Full-time indie carring, not what you're going to be chasing going forward. I know opportunity is obviously a a pretty significant player in things, right? If you've got five teams calling you saying, please, let us give you a lot of money to drive for us. Maybe someone like yourself says, ha-ha, off we go. Tell me about this decision, though, because you could keep pushing and fighting, and I'm sure you could probably find uh, sponsors and, and partners to bankroll more full-time stuff. But what led you to say, eh, maybe this is the right time to step back on the full-time fun?
1: You know, I think I think one of the greatest challenges that any professional athlete faces is, um, on top of, you know, whatever it took to get to the top of their sport, whatever it took to stay there, whatever adversity, you know, you faced along the way. One of the toughest things that an athlete has to do at some point is, you know, make the decision to hang it up. And a lot of times that decision is made for you. You know, it could be a bunch of different circumstances, depending on the sport we're talking about, you know, certainly in motorsports, I think, more guys are retired than retire if that makes sense yeah and uh and you know as i said i'm i'm not stepping away from motorsports uh just just full-time IndyCar car competition and it uh it comes on the back of a lot of things marshall i mean it was it was certainly not a decision that was made quickly it was not one that was made lightly it was made with a lot of uh you know discussion and input from friends family you know close supporters people kind of on the the inner circle and uh it was it was a combination of things professional and and personal that you know if you took emotion out of it I mean, it was up to me i would i would drive something every day for the rest of my life uh but that's not always how it goes and i found myself in a place where i could have some control over you know kind of how this this part of the story ended and um you know we did we did still have some conversations ongoing, but it it had to be the right scenario and the right scenario wasn't out there. I've been around the sport long enough to know how these things ebb and flow and come and go. And I didn't see it. I didn't see the right scenario coming in, in the short term and I'm, and I'm not a spring chicken. And so there were, opportunities to go explore other things, uh, that I've always wanted to do drive other cars that I've always wanted to drive. And rather than just being there for the sake of being there, I thought it made sense to, you know, put a ball on a career that I can be very proud of, you know, 11 years at the the top of the sport for, uh, a kid from a country where it's snowing half a year. Well, at least it was when I was a kid, maybe not anymore. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks climate change. Yes. Uh, but no, yeah, it, it was, it was, it was a great opportunity to make the decision and still have some control over it, you know, and, and that was important to me. Let
0: me ask about this and I don't know if you want to talk about it or, or put any names on things or keep things vague, but, uh, as I put in one or two of my most recent silly season stories, while I was unaware of a full-time IndyCar uh, quality full-time IndyCar opportunity, uh, awaiting you I was aware of at least one really cool full-time thing in IMSA that appeared to be hotting up a bit. And I know that that hasn't gone through, unfortunately, but you, again, on the topic of, look, I'm not hanging it up. Okay. Uh, I still want to drive them race cars. Is IMSA a place? Uh, we've got a, a few folks, uh, our friend Cassie, uh, Johnston who helped, uh, who led our, our listener group, the Pruday brother to raise more than $3,400 to, uh, adopt 34 kids, uh, in the greater Indy area and bring them wow. uh, Christmas gifts. Yeah. Yeah. Just, um, she's amazing. Uh, but she said, uh, you know, on this theme, it's hard to put into words just how much you mean to me and my family, but thank you for always making us so proud uh, now that you're going to have more time on your hands what non-racing stuff are you excited to do another restaurant your own bourbon uh, we got others asking similar things saying hey uh what off track things might you be doing besides your podcast uh and are there any say non-indy car uh racing series you're trying to venture into so in that general area what does uh what does the future look like for you uh on and off the track a little bit
1: yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's funny, you know, uh, you, you're right. You did hear correctly. We were very close to, uh, to a full-time IMSA program that for, you know, reasons of hashtag racing, you know, there, there are influences and in, in politics beyond, you know, your control and any form of motorsports. It would have been and so cool
0: of, if it happened. I'm just saying. It,
1: it would, and it still might one day, uh, you know, it still might one day, um, but, uh, but yeah, you, there's a lot of factors outside of your control. And so, I, again, I, I take everything that comes at me as, you know, as a sign and I look for the positives in all of it. And, you know, like I said, it, it was a bunch of a bunch of these things all coming together at once that led me to this decision anyway. And then, you know, this situation was starting to develop and then sort of, you know, uh, sort of came apart a little bit. And I'll tell you, man, when when I kind of made the decision that I was I wasn't gonna, you know, dedicate a hundred percent of my efforts to to getting back into a full time mini car program, there was this tremendous sense of, of uh like a weight lifted off your shoulders because when you're when you're competing at the highest level of the sport, you are so hyper focused on that at all times. Mm you know you wake up in the morning and you think okay what can i do today to make myself better and when you're not when you're 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 either doing that whatever thing that is and if you're not doing that if you're doing something else after about 15 minutes you start thinking damn i shouldn't be doing whatever i'm doing now i should be doing something else that i think is going to make me better and you know it's it's what you have to do to be competitive at this level and so when I knew I didn't sort of have that uh, that weight on my shoulders anymore, it, it it was sort of freeing, and it did sort of open up some uh, some ideas um, that might not have been a possibility if I did land a full time AMSA program, because you'd obviously take that that same level of commitment to another full time program. So my my plans are yes to drive everything. I I want to take kind of a, a Fernando Alonso esque year of trying to dip my toes into whatever has four wheels and an engine that someone will give me to drive, uh, as I, you know, kind of make some decisions on what the future of being behind the wheel looks like for me. For all I know, I haven't driven the car that I enjoy the most yet for moving forward. Um, so I I do, I want to try a little bit of everything, some sports car stuff, some stock car stuff, you know, Pastrana and I have talked about some Rallycross stuff, um, it would be, it would be great to just try anything that I can and, you know, take this, this moment in time where I don't have any solid commitments to uh, play around a little bit. And, you know, it was funny. There's some of those things we were kind of already exploring. And then once the announcement came out yesterday, I've I've had a couple of interesting phone calls and emails from other people being like, well, Hey, if you're still interested in driving something, you can come drive this. Wow. So, uh, so that's it. So it's been great, you know, and, and, uh, and I'm really looking forward to some of those opportunities. And then maybe something, you know, catches my interest enough that uh, there's a full time 23 program uh, that that develops out of it. Um, off track, you know, there are <laughs> several things, including off track. But, um, you know, we do have the Stop and Go Foundation that, that my wife and I run. And um, we've got some cool events that we've been sort of noodling with that we've wanted to uh, we've wanted to get off the ground and we'll be able to commit a little bit more time to that Tell folks and, what that is
0: so they know so they can support so they can find it
1: right so so the foundation's the stop and go foundation stop and go is the website if you just feel like making in uh, random donation um, and we're, we're basically a fundraising vehicle you know we're not tied to one cause necessarily. Uh we find one that we're passionate about and we'll go and support it. Obviously one of those has been the Red Cross. We've done some fundraising for them. Still have a dream of one day getting a uh, a stop and go funded blood mobile on the road, traveling to all the IndyCar races uh and many other places throughout the year just to, you know, collect blood from people because we all know how important that is. Uh, but yeah, there are other causes, you know, we obviously support um Ryan Hunter Ray's uh racing for cancer. Uh, foundation. And, you know, there's a few others that uh, you were just down there
0: helping with uh, the the latest of of many uh, fundraising events you've been part of.
1: Exactly. So so that's exciting. Um, I'm really looking forward to having the time to be more supportive of Becky and her work. You know, she films a lot kind of during the race season and even just this past october she was filming a movie and uh i i was free i didn't have the feeling like i had to be debriefing or in the sim or at the gym every day for two hours a day and so i was able to go visit her on set for a little while and kind of be you know the the support to her that she's been to me at so many racetracks over so many years Uh, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of fun things that, uh, that are on the cards.
0: Any chance of starting your own, uh, mayor digital services, by the way, because I figure between your beloved, but hated former super producer, Brian Simpson, who looks after new gardens, dream digital, we've got, uh, Jimmy Johnson's rain digital, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, it seems like a career would not be complete. Unless you created some form of digital services company that just kind of lived off of other drivers like uh, smart. I digital smart Leech. Uh, I think there you right. go. So right. Rossi yeah. could be your number one client where he just kind of stares awkwardly at the camera fuming over something no one can fully understand.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, that, I think I could, I could fund an entire business just off that look <laughs> every weekend. I mean, it's, uh, we get a lot of shots of it, that's for sure.
0: In this episode of the Rossi Revenge Tour, again, revenge against what? Still trying to figure that Air. part out, but nonetheless, uh, the aggrieved continues. Well, why don't we, uh, let's see, TV. I don't know if you've heard. There is definitely a rumor or two in the internet that you have done it before. Might be doing it again in the future. I know that we have no news to break here or whatever else, but I know that folks more on the positive side than negative side have said, hey, if you're going to have some of that free time, maybe you should do some of the talky into microphoney thing. Um, we even got a great kind of long winding question here from Wendy Carr at Car underscore Windy on the Twitter. It says, hi, Mayor. I know you are a fan of the Toronto Raptors. In the TNT documentary about Inside the NBA, former player Kenny Smith tells a story that he was doing playoff anchor, uh, doing it part-time, got a call from the San Antonio Spurs to play for them the next season, but he'd be coming off the bench, Smith being a two-time NBA champion with Rockets. says a broadcaster, TNT broadcaster, the late and great Craig Sager overheard that call, and apparently Sager said something to the effect of, what are you doing? you're really good at the tv thing you could do this for 20 years this could be your livelihood uh but let me tell you these jobs come and go kenny smith in that documentary hinge said it was some of the best advice he'd ever gotten says i imagine if you're wrestling with similar crossroads in your career we know driving is your passion but there are life's practicalities too how do you navigate those trade-offs and the timing of all this so We're not saying you're going to be doing TV, but we certainly know you have talent, and there are folks who'd love to see you do TV. Using that uh, Kenny Smith story that he relays, does any of that resonate with you and some of the things that's running through your mind?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I certainly think that, first of all, what is the internet? You said that it was... Yes,
0: interwebs, I think. Yes, interweb. Oh,
1: sounds sounds like a fad. Don't invest. Um, Yeah, no, honestly, I, I think... Uh, that that sort of line of thinking uh has 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 been very prominent and prevalent uh lately um you know do you do you fight tooth and nail to hang on for one or two more years in one one area or do you try to start setting yourself up for the next you know 11 years in in a different area um you know i've 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 made no uh No secret about how much I enjoy broadcasting, how lucky I've been to, um, to have done some of it in the past, you know, be it with Jeremy Shaw, uh, with the Champ Car International broadcast back in the day, all the way up to, um, you know, getting to do some, some IndyCar stuff in 2020. It's, it's all been fun for me. It's, it's all been something I really enjoy. And if, uh, if the stars align as such, it would be a fun area to explore look at that uh where do we go
0: from here we're gonna go to bilbo kragans at craig steady on twitter hey hingetown would you ever consider a cross canada travel show where you visited small town racetracks and yes. took in all of the sites of yes. the locations i think you'd be amazing at something like this and i'll just throw in yes. hashtag that would be a great ripoff from dale Earnhardt hart jr's whatever they call it show on peacock
1: it should, yeah. Lost racetracks. I, I found you know, racetracks.
0: tracks the, 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 there you go. Racetracks. We got the title.
1: And then I think, I think the way that we make it even more interesting is when you say cross country. It's because we literally are in a motorhome driving across Canada, stopping at these racetracks, and half of the entertainment of the show is hijinks from the road.
0: I yes, I love
1: it.
0: H- uh, hitting I is. I think it's great. Hitting mooses is something we're going to avoid, but, uh, yeah, Uh, it's, it's it's meese meese. Yes. Okay. Yes. There, there's a, there's a great potential for a letter Kenny vibe with this, uh, production, I would say. So, uh, let's see, where should we go next? Uh, we got folks curious Honda Indy Toronto. That's, that's a good one. So as a poll winner at the Indianapolis 500, uh, I would say most folks might say, well, geez, if we're talking about maximum capability, there'd probably be a number of teams that wanted to have Hinch as part of their Indy 500 program, Hit him good at Indy 500. <laughs> you do have this home race, might have heard of it, where you're kind of sort of the face of it. You wouldn't be the only Canadian in the field, of course. I'm not. Let, let's not downplay uh, Dalton Kellett's fans, but... There is a home More race that means Francesco a lot. Now? Yes, yes, and Dev, although he claims to be Italian first, so i got to talk to him about that. But nonetheless, <laughs> um, that is a race. We know it means something to you. You've spoken here many times before about uh, meeting Greg Moore and all the inspiration it's brought to you, but where does that singular event stand on your am I also trying to make that happen for myself in IndyCar on an annual basis? Is that something that uh, is that even something you think most teams would be capable of supporting? Uh, where does that land? Because I know that would probably be something you don't want to give up uh, if you didn't have to on an annual basis.
1: Yeah, I mean the the big heartbreak about Toronto is that we we haven't been able to do it the last two years, you know, and uh, it really it really sucked when it got canceled this year. Um, it was uh, you know I I took it a little harder, you know, just knowing that may have been. Potentially the last shot to go, but the you, you kind of hit the nail on the head when you talk about the 500 teams are prepared and willing and able to field extra cars and field them competitively. But when it comes to any other race, not just Toronto, but kind of any other race, it, it does have a, a much higher degree of difficulty. Uh, for a lot of different reasons, you know, slamming everything together over one weekend, rather than being able to kind of develop a package over a week of practice, et cetera, et cetera, not being, you know, based in the town where most of the shops are in Indianapolis, if anything goes wrong, you don't have as, you know, as much equipment, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So there are a lot of logistic uh, issues um, with doing one-offs at races like that. I mean, that said, if the right opportunity was there, Absolutely. I mean, you know, being on the podium at that race a couple times was one of the coolest experiences in my life. And, and winning it was always a dream, uh, something I wanted to accomplish. And given the right opportunity to go out and legitimately have a shot at winning it, yeah, you 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 absolutely jump at that. Uh, it just depends on whether or not that actually is something that, that comes together but even, even if I'm not, uh, you know, behind the wheel there, I'm, I'll obviously be at that race. I haven't missed one since 1988, so I'm not going to start now. Um, and you know, I, I know all the people that work for that event very well, and I still will happily help, you know, promote in any way I can, uh, help Dalton and Dev in in any way that they need. And, um, you know, make sure that the the upward trajectory that we saw of of IndyCar in Toronto and, and, that race event as, as you know, on the whole, uh, make sure it keeps going in the right direction. I'm, I'm on board for it.
0: If you're not in a car, I can only imagine what it would be like with you. There is a man of the people among your people in the crowds. I wonder if it might even rival that time in, and I'm trying to get the year right. Was it 2012 or 2013 when crack loving mayor, uh, Mr. Ford, rocked up in the yeah. paddock and i turned to my left and saw him like 10 feet away from me and one of the kids apparently diving in to try and get a selfie with him was one of scott goodyear's sons which goodyear told me <laughs> later he's like hey that rob ford picture uh yeah that was my son in that and i'm like oh man so anyways i'm hoping he'd be more popular than mr ford but for all the <laughs> right reasons
1: so. right right that, what a funny story about that weekend um Nick Yeoman, who you the know, great Nick Yeoman,
0: have,
1: the great Nick Yeoman, who we all uh, heard and adored, hearing uh, on the IndyCar radio network, he uh, he told me backstage before driver intros that weekend. He goes, "You know, man, I've been doing this for however many years now, and you know, at all the races, there's always a celebrity or two, and he usually gets to interview them. He's like, I've met a lot of people. He's like, I've never famed fanboyed once. I've never asked for a selfie, but he's like, that was the coolest." celebrity interaction i've ever had is the only time i ever felt like starstruck i was like by by rob ford that was what did it for you my goodness a-list celebrities left right and center at the 500 long beach whatever no it was rob ford that really got him going and i'll never forget that i thought that was so funny oh uh,
0: that's not dandruff on his collar boys and girls but we'll uh, <laughs> we'll go ahead and leave that there um nicole she asks uh if you would uh Take interest in driving more sports cars. We've already covered that off a little bit, but I wanted to use Nicole's uh, question here as a gateway to a couple more uh, specific ones. Greg Kreiser says, Now that you have a little bit of free time, when are you coming to Tulsa to run the Chili Bowl? I mean, Ooh. if nothing else, that would be one hell of a way to honor our, our dear departed man, Robin Miller, who I can guarantee you hammered on you every single year to go do it
1: yeah man it's that's one of those things that uh i would i would love to try it you know i i watched that when when connor i mean i've watched it i mean every year forever now but uh I, I took great interest when connor went and did it and you know his experience so he just absolutely loved it and raved about it he was actually just practicing and testing out with uh chris bell and uh i think i think chase briscoe the other day getting some more laps in uh in a car getting some testing done and yeah if we could put a program together and, and get a chance to at least go try it out before we got there, I could definitely be talked into it. And if not, that's one that I, I, the other thing that I'm looking forward to Marshall is going to some races as a fan Yes, you know, and, and being able to enjoy the fan experience. And, um, chili bowl is definitely one of those ones that even if you can't be behind the wheel, I, I need to knock it off the bucket list. Cause I haven't even been.
0: That's uh, I love the sound of that. Got another one here. Uh, from left front tire changer at paul fair 56 on the good old tweeters will james be joining us back on the vintage automobile racing association of canada grid this summer just for kicks varak tell
1: folks what the heck that is and will you be joining paul varak was the start of my racing career kind of indirectly um You know, I I got into this sport because of my dad. And uh, the year before I started racing go-karts, dad started racing vintage cars up in Canada with Verac. And so, you know, all the summers of my childhood were one weekend I'd be dad's pit crew at a vintage race. The next weekend he'd be my pit crew at a go-kart race. And we sort of went back and forth, you know, on the road together all summer racing. And man, I, I had some awesome times with those guys. You know, I was like this eight, 910 year old kid against all the, you know, just hanging out with all these 40, 50, 60, 70 year old guys. And, uh, it was such a great experience and, and education, you know, for, uh, for a young guy. And I did, uh, I did compete in a couple of events. You know, I had a Verac license for a number of years. Um, my dad and I actually got to do an endurance race together in a, in a Lotus seven back in, I want to say it was 2006. Wow. Uh, which was, you know, one of the highlights of my of my driving days. And uh, actually the helmet that he was wearing for that race is sitting up on my shelf beside me now. And so it's uh it would be great to get back and see some of the guys and uh and get into some old fun cars and, and rip around.
0: I wanna bring the show down, but uh I had a real passion for good old Jer Bear for your father and was obviously so sad to learn a few years ago that he was facing some serious serious health challenges and losing your dad how have you dealt with that my friend how have you dealt with that along with your family because even if uh, someone knows the end is coming for a loved one and they have a long runway to prepare for it uh, it's still a, a significant change of you and your life and who you are and how you see things for I'd say just about everybody how are you doing
1: yeah, thanks. Thanks for asking, man. I'm uh, I'm hanging in there. You know, it's funny. I've talked to a lot of people, you know, leading up to and, and since that happened. Um, you know, about what's what's better? What's worse? Having to look at it, you know, knowing that it's coming or it being something sudden. And the sort of conclusion I've come to is everything after the fact is just as bad no matter which way it doesn't matter if you know, it's coming for how long, you know, it's coming from the day it happens onwards. It's just the worst. It's just the worst. And, and I think that's true either way, but I do have to say that I'm, I'm so, so grateful that I had time with him ahead of it. Um, ahead of his passing, we had some really nice moments, you know, over the last few months. Um, you know, he was, he was the, the fuel behind my, my racing passion. You know, it's, uh, it's definitely been strange being at the racetrack without him. But uh and then and it's not just me. I mean he was such a he was such a character and uh such a figure, you know, in the paddock. There's so many people that, that miss having him around the racetrack and he just loved being there. It was his favorite thing. So it's uh it's you know, it's it's cool. We we did this together. We didn't have any you know, any people in racing that we knew, we didn't have any advice. Him and I navigated the the crazy world of motorsports for the first time together and you know, we ended up here and had a, had a damn good run at it. So I know he was, uh, he was, he was proud of what we had done. And, uh, I know he'd be happy to, to know that I'm finally going to stop risking my neck every weekend the way that I was. And, um, yeah, we're, we're, the whole family's hanging in there. It's one day at a time, you know, it was February that we lost him. So we're still going through the first of everything. Christmas will be hard. And then the one year anniversary will be hard, but, uh, we have each other, which is great, and have had a tremendous amount of support from a lot of people, um, you know, in our lives. A lot of them from the racing community as well. So it's been, you know, it's been really nice.
0: Yeah, well, bless you, brother. Let's get to our last couple here, and then uh, head on about our days. Jim Johnstone. Uh, I believe Jim was the one who uh, coined a term that became very popular on the show for a couple of years, and we were asked routinely to stop using it. That was. Aligning the letters of a team you used to drive for and referring to them as spam. Uh, spam. Yes, Jim says James. Good luck with whatever racing endeavors you have going forward. Uh, says I'm curious what your role with the Team Canada sponsorship insta- uh, entails. And also says his son Jacob, who's nine, would like to know how old you were when you first got into kart racing. So, hey, we got this Team USA scholarship. We're super proud of it. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Hey, there's a, a Team Canada scholarship too that's trying to groom uh the, the future hinges of the world. Tell fo- this is an informational episode. Uh tell folks about it and what are you doing there and, and do we have some some young hinges uh in the pipeline?
1: Uh well yeah, first of all, I was nine. I was I was Jacob's age when I started karting. So Perfect. uh there you go. Get uh pitter patter, as they say. Um and no, yeah, very excited. This last week we you know we announced that um so so team canada has been sort of participating in in a similar way to the Team usa scholarship we've uh i say we i've only just sort of joined on brian graham and his team have, have really been the driving force behind it since 2011 sending at least one sometimes two drivers uh, over to england for the formula ford festival and, and the walter hayes trophy um but it was never it was never done shootout style and you know with COVID, it hasn't happened for us the last two years but Uh, we're going to be back in 2022, uh, sending a driver over. And the difference this year is that it's, you know, it's going to be a shootout. Uh, six drivers are going to be invited very similar to the team USA scholarship program. Um, you know what Jeremy Shaw, who second mentioned for Jeremy on this show already, uh, patron saint of American,
0: of North American open wheel racing.
1: You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Um, I mean, we're really just trying to model it after what Jeremy's done because it's it's phenomenal the, the, what he's done, the program that he's built, uh, and you look at the names that have come out of it, and uh, the you know the talent that he's helped foster. And we're just trying to do the same thing for Canadians. And uh, yes, there are some great candidates out there, uh, a couple young stars I think on the rise, which is very exciting for us. It's it's always been a goal of mine and a dream of mine to to give back and to be active in the community back home, uh, motorsports community. And so, you know, I'm a part of this program. I'll be one of the judges and, um, we're, uh, we're excited to see, you know, what, uh, what we can deliver. So if you're, if you're Canadian and, uh, interested, team Canada com has all the information on the program on eligibility. You can apply there. You have to apply, uh, through the website to be considered for the shootout. So yeah, if you're, uh, if you're a Canuck and you're interested, that's where you got to go.
0: Now you said you're judging. Am I? Have I heard accurately that you were judging both the evening wear portion of the competition and also the dance portion of the competition?
1: Uh, well, evening wear and ten talent. Um, I'm looking for you know a couple singers, maybe some jugglers. <laughs> jugglers. Uh, we, we really want to mix up the uh, the talent portion. If there is a contortionist, please don't be shy. We'd love to see your work.
0: Can you get into the car without going through the top? You have to contort your way between the halo and the cockpit. Like I think that, right. that'll get you towards the front of the uh, of the finalists. All right, where do we go for the last one or two here to wrap appearance thirteen on the good old podcast? Uh, Brian Smith says, "How did your second tour of duty?" I like how that's phrased. Yeah, you're in hmm. cam camouflage. How did your second tour of duty at Indoretti Autosport compare in terms of team culture and experience from the first go round? Was it different? How was it different?
1: Uh, you know, for sure it was different. I mean, you know, the, the first time uh, I showed up as a you know a, a grizzled veteran of one year, um, and you know at the time it was a three car operation um, with, with myself, Marco, and Ryan. And so it was, it was a little bit, a little bit of a different time. We had just got the new car, the DW12 had just come out. So it was, you know, a lot of, a lot of time spent on development and a lot of testing. And it was a really cool time to be in the sport and uh, a really cool time to be, you know, part of that team. We obviously won the championship with Ryan in uh, 12 and then the 500 with him in 14. Uh, We, myself, won. we won a bunch of races in 13. So it was, it was a cool, a cool stretch. Um, Coming back in, in 21, team had grown uh you know we're four full-time cars with the meyer shank entry as sort of an associate car with jack for the whole season with elio for you know almost half the season uh obviously added cars for uh for marco and Stefan in the 500 so a uh, very big uh, organization and 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 growing like that you certainly had some people and some you know some layers of uh of management and things like that but culture wise i think it stayed the same you know what was so great about that place the first time it is it, it was a great uh open environment the engineers drivers everybody worked really well together the mechanics the crew were like family and you know, even though it expanded and not just with the IndyCar program, Android Air Sport grew with its Rallycross programs and its Formula E programs and all the other Xtreme and you know, the series down in Mexico with Michelle Jourdain, like they they've expanded as a as a company in a tremendous way that feeling never left, you know, it still felt like uh, a big family. I think the engineering department and office was still a great place to be. I had some great teammates this year with, with Ryan, Alex and Colton. And, um, so yeah, it, it was different in a lot of ways, but it was very similar, I think in, in some of the most important ways.
0: There you go. Uh, let's see. Got a couple of good ones here. Uh, Jenny Zielk if I'm pronouncing your last name correctly, Jenny, and if not, uh, tell me I'm an idiot, which happens daily. Hey Marshall, James tweeted a spicy take on Netflix and its influence on the formula one season finale. Uh, Even if it was tongue in cheek, could be a lot to unpack there. James, are you willing to elaborate? And I decided to save this for the end instead of the beginning, because we'd probably do three hours on this. uh, If we just (laughs) gave ourselves that, that runway, but Oh, poop show within a dumpster fire. Um, Tell me, tell me your, your finer, non-limited to uh, 280 characters take here.
1: Yeah. It's so funny. Cause that, I mean, that tweet in particular was very tie in cheek. You know, it was obviously just sort of a joke. Um, no, Netflix doesn't have any bearing on how the one races play That's insane. <laughs> uh it was it was just sort of a funny thing. and other people were like oh well you're just mad at the result cuz you're a Lewis fan well i'm like i didn't say i was mad at the result i said it was wild are you are you denying that was a wild finish cuz in that case you shouldn't be watching this sport but i think when it comes down to it um it was oh man it was 99% of the way to just like the coolest season ever And but that one percent just happened to be right at the end and just happened to have a pretty significant effect on everything. I think what and and you know, Rossi and I talk about this on on this week's episode, which comes out Thursday. Um, off track with and Rossi, wherever you get your podcast. Yes, uh, (laughs) shameless plug. No, it was it was um, the only thing that really truly bothers me when it's all said and done is that they let some lapped cars go and not the rest. That's the only thing that makes it look a little bit contrived. You know, I I think, my personal opinion was they should have thrown a red. They've been very liberal with throwing red flags this year. I the wrote the same years, thing. Actually.
0: wrote the same thing in the mailbag that went up this morning. Throw the right. red. So, give yourself flexibility.
1: Right. So you've got, look, Hamilton doesn't matter who won the championship they were both deserving i think everybody agrees on that that's not a unique opinion um throwing the throwing the red i i think they i think that the rule of changing tires under red is an absolute joke but it's their rule yep so it would have given both drivers a chance to to change tires and given us a four lap shootout or whatever to the end which would have been Mono a mono for the two best guys in the grid by a mile that have both had a phenomenal year and Lewis probably would have won um, just because he was so dominant on the day. As soon as the decision was made to not throw the red, Lewis was sort of he was sort of host because Mercedes wasn't going to give up track position. Lewis was or Max was always going to do the opposite of whether or of whatever. Um, whatever Mercedes did, and ultimately, the, the lap cars should have all gone around, and so there should have been a lap to go, and Max would have won. So basically, if it goes around, I think Lewis wins. If it stays yellow, I think Max wins, no matter what. The only thing that bothers me is that when they decided to move the cars, they only moved the cars between first and second. There's always, obviously, an impetus to get the race to finish on green. I don't think anybody thinks that's bad. But F1's, I think, in this really interesting situation where forever, they've just been the the pinnacle of of motorsport, pure competition, entertainment, almost secondary. Then a few years ago, they stopped listening to an old rich white guy, sold to a media company, and now they understand they're an entertainment property as well as a sporting property. And what happened last week was those two worlds colliding and they really need to decide are they going to make sure that are they going to create and enforce the rules in a way that puts emphasis on the show or on the fastest driver and car winning on that day. I think they need to make that decision and then write the rules accordingly. What happened Sunday seemed to me like a bit of cross pollination between those two worlds, and it ended up not looking great. I don't care which way it goes. I support it and understand it in either direction. I just think that decision needs to be made. It needs to be made publicly. It needs it needs to be made known to everybody what their intentions are, and go from there. And I and I do think that F one's in a place and and world sport is in a place where they should err on the side of entertainment over just pure unadulterated competition and almost making the rules favor that the fastest car wins. I know that sounds insane, especially from the purist of the sport, which I am, but that is the reality of racing today. That's my opinion.
0: Yeah. The, and I wrote pretty much every, the same exact sentiments. My only differing point was I know that Lewis had a quote, superior car, had a big lead when uh, the crash happened, but I'd look and i i'm 100% team lewis have been since he was in the junior formulas i have no liking for verstappen as a driver as a person i got no time for the guy whatsoever 100% team lewis i have no doubt that if the scenario i wrote about and that you mentioned as well wanting go red you have this wacky rule where you let everyone go to fresh tires cool they all go are going to go to softs uh We're going to restart, hopefully, with a three- to four-lap shootout. I have no doubt that, although I certainly wanted Lewis to win his eighth championship, I have no doubt that if they'd done what I think and you think they should have done, Max would have won. He's the Pato Award of F1, right? If there's a crazy pass where you go, nope, physics are giving you the middle finger. You can't do that, and yet... He finds a way to do it. He's the guy. So I know we differ on who we think would have won, but even though I'm a hundred percent team Lewis, if he if Massey had administered the race that, uh, in the way that I, you and I think that he should have, I actually think Lewis comes out and wins in a straight fight. No manipulation. No question as to whether they got the race director to buckle. Isn't that the feeling here? Like, Hey, yeah, uh, yeah. you said you're going to do something. All right, well now let's see if we can lobby the guy. Like, this one guy should not be the difference maker between who is world champion. Like he had an Avenue to go where he wasn't going to be that guy. And yet sadly he did.
1: Yeah. The, The thing that I really enjoyed about it though, after the fact was these two teams and I'll say four protagonists, because there's no way you can't include Toto and Christian in this conversation who will just, I mean, any, any trick in the book, the the sly comments, the digs, the, the subtle digs, the not subtle digs, the, the psychological warfare between the two. When it all played out the way it did, very controversially, everybody understood that had nothing to do with the race teams. Max didn't do anything wrong. Red Bull didn't do anything wrong. Lewis didn't do anything wrong. Mercedes didn't do anything wrong. Everybody's issue was with the FIA which, you know, again, that's its own can of worms. But I like that at the end of the day, the two drivers could still shake hands. Toto and Christian could still shake hands and everybody could acknowledge that this was the most like barn burner of a season that I've certainly ever witnessed in in 30 years of watching Formula One. Um, so I, 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 give, I give both sides uh, a lot of credit for just an incredible season.
0: Same here. I did love the fact that they could come together uh, in a in a warm spirit, at the end of the race, and then said, "See you in court, M&F-er. uh We're gonna appeal <laughs> every single thing and try and take this from you." Um, so right. yeah, other than that, I thought it was awesome. All right, what do we uh, what do we get down to to one or two, and then we'll say goodbye. Uh, Brian Smith says, if he had to do it over again, would you tell ESPN the magazine no on uh, on the nude photo shoot? And would you also tell them yes, but Marshall has to be in it too, which would then make sure they never use the photos.
1: <laughs> Marshall, if you want to join next time, by all, by all means, be my guest. Um, well, no, the answer. What uh, I here's the thing: I didn't tell ESPN the magazine anything. I was I was asked and begged to do that shoot by my team, so I did what I was told by my employer, and uh, well, yeah there was some miscommunication, I guess, internally that I ended up paying the price for, but that's, uh, no, I wouldn't do anything different. I did what I was told. I was proud to have been asked to do it. I think it's a very cool thing to be asked to do. So absolutely not.
0: Well, there you go. Let's, uh, let's see. Why do we, uh, why don't we go penultimate to Patrick Gaffney? So I know it seems like a basic question, uh, but in the past 11 years of IndyCar racing, what will you remember as your personal highlights? Uh, what do you hope others maybe remember, uh, about your full-time IndyCar career, 10, 20, 50 years from now, legacy stuff.
1: Oh man. I mean, legacy stuff's tough. Um, you know, I hope, I hope people remember me as a, you know, as a fierce competitor who was, who was fast, fair, and, uh, you know, obviously a, an advocate of and, uh, and lover of this sport. Um, as far as, you know, as far as personal, personal memories, the number one is always going to be that first win. Um, you know, that's, that's an exceptional, uh, an exceptional memory that, that never was really topped even, even pull at in after everything we'd been through as special as that was for a bunch of different reasons. Um, that first win was was pretty remarkable. Uh, being rookie of the year, you only get one crack at that, and you know we started a race down and uh, had a season long battle with with J. R. Hildebrand there, who's you know incredible driver, guy got a lot of a lot of respect for. and um, It was cool that in the one shot we had, he got to, he he took rookie of the year at Indy, but uh, we took it over the season, which I was proud of. Um, and then yeah, for sure, pole at Indy, the podiums at Toronto. Uh, there's, you know, there's definitely, definitely more than a few that stick out. It was, uh, it was a fun ride.
0: I seem to recall, and I apologize if I didn't hear it correctly. Uh, there was some race in Brazil I was at that kind of had, I don't know, the entire continent jumping up and down at the finish of that, where I seem to recall (laughs) you did fairly well. Like tell folks if they haven't where, what they need to go find. On the YouTube's because that was a
1: holy crap part of a great year <laughs> for you. Yeah, that was a that was one of those highlight reel things. You know, it's it's always cool to be part of a last corner, last lap uh, win, um, and you know to only lead three hundred feet or whatever of the race. But it's drag still, like, race the matter was. Yeah, it was was pretty cool. Um, So, yeah, 2013 Sao Paulo IndyCar race. The finish is on YouTube if you want to watch that. And then, look, I came out on the losing end of this one, but go look up the 2016 Texas finish. Um, One of the most intense battles of my entire career. One that was, I mean, my heart was in my throat the entire time. And nothing but respect for all the guys that, that I was racing against that day. That was a really, really cool Really cool race, even if we were eight 1,000s off the, the result that we wanted. Um, that was another, another fun one to look up. Another highlight real moment.
0: You got plenty. All right, we're going to say farewell. It's not a question, just a, uh, a nice little thing. This comes from Michelle Golub. And Michelle underscore Golub from Twitter says, Not so much a question, but a big thank you for being the awesome human that you are. Sharing extra minutes of your busy day with young fans and those young at heart. We wish you all the best in the future. And I know Michelle, she speaks for thousands upon thousands of folks who don't want to see you go, aren't letting you go, but at least want to draw a little line in the sand and say for everything you've done up till now in IndyCar, uh, the super caring side of you, if there's a charity thing going on, you're there, you're trying to help you. You're not just doing things on your own outright. You're taking part in other folks' charitable efforts. Uh, You have anchored IndyCar's fan base and love and brought them inside and make them feel like uh, members of a pretty amazing open-wheel community for a good long while now. So as Michelle says, I want to say for everyone else, thanks for you being you, man. Seriously, IndyCar would not be what it is today without your participation uh, over the last 10 plus years
1: it means a lot buddy really appreciate that and thank you Michelle for the kind note it's uh, yeah it's it's very nice to hear things like that it means a lot
0: now you get to go drink maple bourbon or something like
1: that <laughs> don't think I won't
0: <laughs> brother thanks uh, can't wait to hear more about what's coming next year and until then uh, I'll get my gears turning we'll figure out what we're going to do on uh, appearance number 14
1: Yes, sir. Sounds great.